Welcome to the Comedy Here Often podcast. I'm your host, Kevy. This week on the show, my guest is comedian Byron Bertram. Just around this? Good, yeah? You right. just stay comfortable, Byron. Nice. Let me drive the ship. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> how are we? Are we recording? Oh, here, let me, uh, okay. just in case, just turn this off here. If your phone rang during it, that might be cool. Oh, okay. Cool. You could answer yeah, sure, it. I'll leave it on. Could let me answer yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Um, I'll, just the craziness that could happen. Well, I just want to help you with any personal affairs you may have. Yeah, sweet. Um, thanks for coming, man. Can you tell us a little bit about your record that you just finished? Is it coming out? It's like, coming out. Yeah, it's uh, called uh, Passport and Prozac, and I talk about being uh, just a, uh, just a mental case who uh, travels around the world, pretty okay. much. Okay. So it's, it's a mixture of stand-up and it's, you know, semi-autobiographical. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Autobiographical. That's the one, that fancy word. I enunciated. I barely uh, graduated high school, so. <laughs> Me too. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. My guidance counselor, like, bribed my principal to be like, look, he's a terrible student. He's really bad in class, but he's, he's, uh, he's not the worst kid, and he's already started technical school doing audio, so just let him. So he kind of let him. like uh, what Lori Lachlan, Felicity Huffman, uh, kids thing. That, is that what happened? I, don't I thought, know. didn't she try to bribe the, the dean of admissions or something? Yeah, yeah, that's it. But it was funny, because like, if you've got millions of dollars, like, hey, your kids don't need to go to school. Exactly. Yeah. It's just you're just, it's just bragging rights at this point. Yeah, totally. Listen, your child has a mediocre, mediocre level of intelligence. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, I've made a career off it. Yeah, mediocre is standard. That's what yeah, most of us have. That's fine. Yeah. And no, it's interesting. This is what's brought her back into the press is criminal activity, but it's not the typical because this the sitcom criminal activity of that kind of actress back in the day was like robbing banks and stuff. So that's a 2019 version of it. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. That's the more PC version. Exactly. Um, so are, were you born in England? No, I was born in Vancouver. Okay. But I got a lot of uh, British uh, ancestry and stuff like that. For some reason, I thought your parents were British or something like My that. My grandfather uh, Maybe was. Maybe just he, you do so many accents. I do, yeah. But I, I do this street performance where I'm borrowing from That's England. That's what it is. That's what it is, so... So if you had people at your shows, come, your stand-up shows come and be like, I thought you were British. Oh, yeah. No, it happens a lot. They're like, dude, we saw you on the street. You're not British. Or just like, you look like this guy we saw street performers, British. Like, it's like a s- alias. Okay. Yeah. And it's just fun to lie. And uh, oh, man, I'm people so don't good like at the it. truth. I don't like the truth either, um, which is why I'm such a great liar. My band had some songs on Catfish, that show. And I feel like that's appropriate. You know that show? Nice. You know oh, that? I heard. No, I, I just heard the terminology of Catfish recently. You and should that, see the movie, man. Do you, know, do you know about it? I heard about the movie. Like, it started as a movie where basically this guy was doing a documentary on his art gallery, and then he was really excited about this woman that he'd met online. And this is like 12 years ago or something like that, so that was like relatively new. And then he started to think that maybe she wasn't who she was pretending or acting like. And then so he became like a private investigator, and he went and found out that she was maybe 50 years older and uh, not, not the same person at all. And that's what my band did to get on that show. Oh, nice. Well, I mean... I guess we all catfish in life when it comes to like resumes and stuff like that. You got to catfish in a way. Man, I I would I would hate to try and write a resume at this point. Oh, you know sucked. what I mean? Oh, because uh, it would just feel like I'd be like other languages, like yeah, fluent fake Chinese, fluent, <laughs> Indi- fluent fake Indian. It's like yeah, just basically just good at being racist. You're just describing your act. Yeah, you're, totally. you're like oh man, yeah. <laughs> so okay, so how did you get into doing the street performance stuff? I learned how to juggle in a, a theater program when I was a teenager called okay. Atlantis uh, Summer School for the Performing Arts. Okay, and that was sponsored by the Bentals, rich uh, Vancouver business people. 
and it, basically it was like for East Van youth at risk kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and they taught a bunch of artistic things and I learned how to juggle in this program. And then I saw, and I got addicted to juggling mm -hmm. and I saw people, um, uh, doing street performing at Grand Island, English Bay and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I totally want to do this. I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Doing street theater, doing like shows where you try to gather a crowd and mm -hmm. doing a presentation and juggling and tricks. And yeah. then you pass the hat and they give you what if and how much they want to give you. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Yeah. So then I, um, yeah, just kept practicing juggling. And then, uh, when I was 16, I went out and just, just gave it a go and okay. put together a little act and just sucked. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, well, I was just so inexperienced. Suck. I just couldn't really get a crowd. It was just awkward. I was just okay. dropping stuff all over the place. And, yeah. But then, you know, I just kept at it and then I became pretty good at it and then I became great at it. And then mm -hmm. I, uh, a few years after that, I started getting into stand up as well. Mm -hmm. And then I travel around the world doing street performing in all these different places. And then I would just sign up for open mics wherever I could yeah. in all these places. So then I kind of did these sort of parallel careers of stand up so, and street. So, like, but kind of like your main thing you were doing was juggling. And then what made you decide to try doing, like, you know, jokes? Oh, well, I was doing comedy within the street performing. It was mm -hmm. a comedy show with jokes. And I always wanted to do stand up probably before I did street, I just kind of fell into street, learned mm -hmm. how to juggle in this theater program. So yeah. it was always something I wanted to do. So then I kind of just parallel kind of did that Yeah, uh, a couple of years, a few years after I started doing street performing. Okay. Yeah. And then, so when you were doing the street performing and you were talking about how you couldn't gather a crowd, what kind of tricks did you implement to make people stay and, and, and come over to you? Would you um, like call them out? Would you be like, hey, get yeah, over Yeah, pretty here. much. Like at first I would, I would... Uh, I would do a lot of stuff on Robson Street. I would like ask somebody like, "Hey, can I borrow your lighter?" And did anybody got a lighter? I asked a bunch of people to get a lighter, and then I would just like start lighting torches and like, "Can you hold these?" I would just basically like hold people hostage. Just and then, danger. And then, yeah, and then then people would be like, "Oh, there's some fire there," and then <laughs> I, you know, but I didn't really know. Now it's just kind of like, "Hey, you just start like charismatically mm -hmm. yelling with a fake accent and saying, i 'I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this.'" People love an accent. They love an accent. So we have an accent. You're just a lot more interesting. Your, your stace goes way up, especially in a superficial vein city like Vancouver. People just like it when you sound like you're from somewhere else. Well, you, you sounded like Andy there, kind of. I do sound like uh, the engineer here, don't I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the way you moved in and out of that, you're like the white Reggie Watts. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you play music? I, you know, I played saxophone. Actually, when I first started street performing, I played saxophone on a unicycle. What? Yeah. That sounds more impressive. That's than the most it challenging is. thing I've ever heard. I can't even multitask at all. Yeah, but it sounded really terrible. I couldn't get a good. <laughs> I couldn't get a good tone because I was just trying to not fall off the unicycle. So man, I sounded like some ninety-five-year-old man with a, a twitch. Whoa, that's the craziest description. So, what about because you also are an actor? So, how did you fall into that? Uh, then, yeah, I was in the theater in high school and stuff like that. So then, just I kind of, I you sort of look at my career kind of like mutual funds. Then I sort of in my later 20s, well, through my 20s, I was just taking acting courses here and there. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, finally got an agent who sent me out for some terrible stuff and nothing happened. And then it was always just one of these things that was just sort of there, but nothing really hit. Yeah. It's kind of like acting so out of any of those careers, street performing, stand-up acting, acting is so out of your hands. You could take course after course after course. Yeah. And then, you know, you get called in for an audition and you're like just racist goat farmer number three and right. then you're like all right and then i don't have another audition for six months but then you start developing relationships with casting directors and stuff yeah and uh, until racist goat farmer the movie comes out exactly and then you're the star then you're the star 
That was that actually a role? Because you told me about a different role you got, and it doesn't sound that different from that. No, no, it was uh, <laughs> the biggest role I got recently was in show Supernatural. I was closet case trucker who gets <laughs> yeah killed by cannibal uh, zombie, and I, I mean, had to kiss a guy 20, 30 times. Well, you know, lucky that guy. Yeah, I no, say. he was. Well, it would it, it, it tested my heterosexuality because he was very handsome. Was that uh, a concern for your relationship? Did you have to have a talk? No, no, she like, loved Look. it. She was the exact opposite. She just like, why did you not suck his dick? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I like that. So yeah. how did, how was, did I'm you? I'm in an open relationship only if I sleep with men. <laughs> and I'm not buying the slightest. It's the shittiest open relationship ever. That's not fair. It's like, fair. you're allowed to have sex with men, but that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll just, I'll, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, she just wants the footage. She just wants the footage. Yeah. You seem like a great guy to blackmail. That's yeah, why she time. wants the footage. So how was, when you, did you have to mentally prepare for doing something that's maybe uncomfortable for you to, when you were headed to that, like filming? Well, not really. I mean, the first take was a bit kind of like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to kiss a guy. Like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, oh, well, but I really want this part, you know, and I'll do anything for attention and one month's rent. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and I was kind of like, there was no tongue, but it was, it was, it was, it was tender enough. Okay. And then it just, you just sort of block your mind out. You just start thinking about other things. You're like, yeah. You just gotta be, emo you gotta show the emotion. I mean, this truck driver and this zombie were in love. Actually, it wasn't the zombie that, that you kissed, right? No, he That's killed me. That's a different then. movie. That was a different movie. No, that, that was, that was, that was the same show. Okay. And then, uh, the, the kiss ended up killing me and then he ate my eyes. What? Yeah. What that was the scariest part. zombie. What a high-class zombie. Yeah, totally. The That's fact a delicacy that he, in some countries. Yeah, the fact that he killed me and ate my eyes, that wasn't the most frightening part. <laughs> the most frightening part was my, you know, uh, fear of my, my sexual, uh, what is it? Proclivities. Yeah, that's it. I'm so glad I pulled that <laughs> word out of thin air. I don't think I've ever even used it before. So when, you're, when you were street performing, did, like... I feel like that is a a great way for insecure dudes to get bummed out with you impressing their girlfriends, and I imagine that there's some competi some competitive nature that would spring up every once in a while. Do you have any stories about people coming and not participating in the way you want? Oh yeah, tons of times, tons of times. Just 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 guys, uh, just just drop it. You know, like hey, can you? I do a straight jacket chain escape, and one time this guy just randomly. The, the scariest thing happened to me. I was in Amsterdam, and this guy just randomly just started choking me and punching me. What? Yeah, and I was tied up. He thought I was talking about his family. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Apparently, in Dutch, chain me is the word for chain and or ketting. Chain means ketting or something. His last name was ketting, and in English that means chain. And so I was saying like, I'm I get it. Chained up, and then he thought I was talking about his family. What? And then he ran. So he was just delusional, and then he just like punched me a few times, and he got oh. arrested. And then, uh, and the whole crowd was like, "This is a great show." Yeah, yeah, I know for a while, and it's like, you know, and then finally <laughs> somebody helped get him off of me. Oh man, yeah. So, but but there's you get a lot of nut jobs in that. You get a lot of chachi kind of uh, yeah chachi guys too sometimes, but not too bad at Gravel Island. Do you, it seems like something where you want to hit sort of touristy areas. You do. It's the safest bet. They got the most money. They're usually the happiest. They're usually mm. the most willing to stop and enjoy what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You know. Did, did you find, um, so that's sort of like some adversity that you face in that kind of field. What about with stand-up? Uh, stand-up, the biggest adversity with stand-up is... I would say just just getting noticed, really. But I mean, like your act's pretty edgy. 
So I'm wondering if you, after shows, if you ever have have to argue with people or anything like that. Oh, uh, not too much. Uh, sometimes, though. Mm-hmm. One time somebody said to me, I think, you know, just like, you're preaching hate. You're preaching hate. I'm like, I'm a, what am I doing that's preaching hate? You're, you're being homophobic. You're being homophobic. I was like, what I do is homophobic. And, and then I, I basically just switched it on her and said, well, I'm, I'm gay, so. Right. I don't, you know. You're like, check out my demo reel. Yeah. My sizzle reel. And I said, I am gay. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, check me out on Supernatural. I'm exactly. Zombie. Exactly. Not only am I kissing a man, but a zombie man. Yeah. So have you ever done that? Didn't think so. People do. People like to get offended, though. Like every third show, somebody will storm out and go, why you, you know, don't. During your set? Don't. No, not me, actually. I don't get that. But, mm. but I think in general, people like ooing just a lot. Yeah. Instead I mean, of, they think that's different than laughing. Yeah, I don't know. But even, they don't even know why they ooh. You could just be like, hey, you know, you could just mention Jesus or something. Mm. And you could mention Jesus in a bad light and people would go like, ooh. Yeah. Be like, are you even religious? No, I'm an atheist, but I'm offended just in case. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. So tell me about the recording of your record. Uh, so I'm recording, yeah, I recorded this uh, album called Passport and Prozac, sort mm-hmm. of uh, uh, it's coming out. Well, we haven't decided a release date. I just mm-hmm. did the uh, photo shoot, and yeah. it's uh, with a different uh, record label. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention. Yeah, of course, Eight Hundred yeah, Pound yeah. Gorilla, great yeah, label. Eight Hundred Pound Gorilla, and it'll probably be coming out in the next few months. And uh, yeah, it's my first like a proper album. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? You put out like clips before? Well, just before, you know, like everybody, I'll just be, I'm recording my album. And it's like, oh yeah, who's doing it? <laughs> I'm pressing record on my iPhone. <laughs> and I hope, uh, I hope it works. I just, uh, this friend of mine in, in LA, he's a comedian from North Carolina and he did his whole album on his phone. Oh, did he? And not only that, uh, he, his jaw was wired shut cause he'd been mugged. And so it's called wire talk. His name's oh, Malcolm man. Hatchett. And so he's hard to understand for various reasons. And then he was like, he's like, yeah, man. And then sometimes the air conditioning was really loud. So those, those jokes didn't really come across at all on the album. Oh, Jesus. Did you hear the album? Yeah. And it's, it's it, pretty, it could have used a mix. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get any of, any of it on the air or anything? Or was there uh, a- I don't know. I think he just kind of like, it was just a passion project at that point, just because right. of all the adversity he'd faced. He got mugged by some dudes in, in uh, North Hollywood that, that were just like out of their mind and thought it was similar to your thing. They thought he was uh, subliminally fucking with them or something oh, like that. Jesus. Yeah. And he said they're crying while they, though they were beating him up. What the hell? The most like the most sensitive mixed message situation ever. The most sensitive psychopaths ever. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who was, uh, he told me about one time he was on ecstasy on the sky train and he got mugged and he said that was very confusing for wow. him because he wanted to just give this young man a hug the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah, can you imagine trying to... Even thugs are more sensitive now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen to the rap music now. It's, it's like about crying in the shower and stuff, I think. Oh, really? It sounds like that. <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so with, with your... Because I saw you at Heckler's uh, a couple months ago when, when I was recording Miles Anderson... That's right. And so, is it uh, is your record some of that material? No, uh, there was some of that material in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, there's a guy with a pig mask right behind dancing. I don't know if he's what? trying to distract you. Some guy with a pig mask is going on. I don't know I don't if you know. get like walked by body hecklers. I don't know. I think this street is just very unique <laughs> with the eccentric <laughs> personalities. You can't even see in this window, can you? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think depending on the time of day. Oh, okay. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy right here. Oh, okay. Anyway. Is that, did you bring, is that your friend? No, I have no idea who that guy is. So okay. anyway, sorry. I just hope, uh, yeah, that's actually the guy that beat me up in the Sky Train. Right. When I was <laughs> next, 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 yeah. 
Oh yeah. So uh, so yeah. Well, there, the record's coming out probably sometime in the summer or early fall. I imagine we haven't decided quite on a release date. How do you decide on a release date? Mm, we try and there's sometimes that are good to release certain things, and sometimes that aren't. I was just talking to Andy about Spotify because it's there's a lot of competition with uh, with release releasing. Like you don't want to release something of the same genre on the same day. Yeah, yeah. In case it doesn't get proper attention, you know, like Boxing Day. Or- yeah, yeah, like if I release my Boxing Day album that's all about shopping, I probably should do it on December 28th. You know what I mean? Just to skip all the other Boxing Day albums that come out that same day. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think comedy's a little bit different because there's a lot less content, whereas every, everybody is releasing music all the, all the time on Spotify. So uh, I think it's a little bit different with comedy. Yeah. And who buys the albums now? Like, I'm thinking, too. Because, like, I got, you know, if it's iTunes, buy your album, and that's on Spotify. I'd be mm-hmm. like, well, I could just listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. I mean, some people are just, like, like for instance, my band, uh, uh, often when we're on tour, we will sell our old albums at, um, like, you can pay what you want. Oh, And okay. so, oftentimes, people want to give you a little bit more money just because they want to... They want you to feel the charity from their hearts. Yeah, so, well, that's what Louis C.K. sold his album like five bucks. Or, oh yeah, yeah. Well, you could pay what you want with that and that Radiohead record and stuff like that. So I, I think the people who buy things on iTunes, for one, there's some people who are paranoid about not not owning the music that they they like to listen to, and then there's also people who just want to sort of like donate. You know, right? They want the the money to go to the artist, so they'll give you that nine ninety nine, no problem. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's that's what's interesting though is like there's there's all these great comedy albums and then it's it's interesting because i think a lot of people who um who just listen to music they don't even know about comedy albums a lot of times you know yeah, what i no. mean it's it's like comedy is just something that happens to them occasionally if they go to a comedy club or something like that whereas i listen to so many comedy albums i want to hear everybody's comedy right. album so it's it's a big part of my life but i think a lot of people don't even know it's an option sometimes you know? right yeah yeah it's funny, everybody puts comedy in the same genre, too. They're like, hey, you know, like, uh, I don't know if I like comedy. You know, like, <laughs> what, what? But nobody says, like, I don't know if I like music. Yeah, that's true. You know, they, but we'll put it at the same degree. It's like, oh, I, I like him, but I don't like him. It was like, well, they're quite different. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, I like Willie Nelson, but I'm not a big fan of Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> well, they're the same. They're music. I feel like that collaboration could happen. That could happen. He hangs out yeah. with Snoop Dogg a lot. Yeah, they have similar interests, I think. Yeah, they, they probably like, they have like comparable prison time. The marijuana. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. Have you seen the that Mike Judge series where it's just Rick James or whoever telling stories and then Mike Judge of Beavis and Butthead animates it? Oh, no. Is it, is it it's, like the... It's called like tour bus stories or something and it's so amazing. Really? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because those guys are just such great storytellers anyway. Like, do you find that like you know your job basically is being a great storyteller on stage yeah but a lot of musicians are really great storytellers too and i don't know why that would be that's not part of the job necessarily well a lot of musicians just got great stories from just yeah just a crazy crazy life being a musician and just the the mishaps that they yeah you know like you know motley crew dirt or whatever yeah so uh but same with comics too like just on the road and just the amount of insane people and alcohol and debauchery and Totally. Yeah. I think comedy shows can be weirder because it's almost like you're expected to sit down so you can't really like feel feel like you can mill about and do your own thing like at a comp, like at a music show. Yeah. Like coming in and out of a music show is totally fine. No big deal. You're going for a drink, you're, you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Because the music could just play over you like talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think comedy is harder too is like, you know, as a singer of a band, if I say something dumb, we can just go into a song. 
Yeah. You have to live time. with it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. With comedy, it's like you tell a bad joke and then it's like, oh, I mean, you know, yeah, you're, you're so naked in a way. Yeah. It's like you play a bad sax solo on your unicycle and you just have to live with that. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Did you? So you played that in elementary school and then. Yeah. From uh, 10 to 18, I played sax. My dad's a, 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 a musician. He played in a group called the Powder Blues a long time ago. What kind of music is that? Uh, it was like R&B. Oh, cool. Yeah, he played a lot of funk. He still plays. Actually, really? I got some of my dad's music on my album at the beginning and the end. Really? Yeah, a little bit of my dad's uh, saxophone. Wow. And I got my mom. She introduced me uh-huh. uh, on stage. I got some snippets of her just oh, saying really funny stuff. That's she did cool. this like five-minute intro off the top, just talking about me and embarrassing me. And really? Saying like, Byron's an only child, and I put my <laughs> diaphragm in wrong and got <laughs> drunk on red wine and listening to Ray Charles, and that's how he's born. And so I got a bunch of that stuff. <laughs> Ray Charles. Yeah. So like, I got a bunch of that kind of stuff in between the album. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be pretty funny. I talk about my mom in in, in the album too a bit. So uh-huh. I'm gonna do this kind of random compilation of just back bits of my mom when she introduced me earlier. Yeah. So I th- I'm yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to coming out. It'll be you know some of my mom, some of my dad. Yeah. Uh, it'd be definitely my uh, DNA is all over the uh, the album. That's good. Talk about going to an all Asian school, dating a, a Japanese celebrity. There you go. Being an actor. Miss, Miss Yumi Nagashima. Exactly. Label royalty. Yes. Um. She's, she's with you guys. She's with the good guys. <laughs> yeah. I've done a bunch of stuff for 800 Pound Gorilla, including Dino, oh, Dino Archie's new album that's coming that's out. That's right. So. He's got an album coming out with them. So did you, um, like you, you kind of showed her, like did when you guys first started seeing each other, was the first date a comedy club? The second date was. The first date we met at the Libra Room and we had a couple of drinks and listened to some music. And then the second date I said, oh, I'm headlining Keno if you want to come. And That's a did. great second date yeah. for her to see. Yeah. You know. And it was you, fun. You kill in front of a crowd. It was it's great. It was, uh, it was, was fun. Was there a pig guy again? What's that? Is there a pig guy behind No, us? I think that's your, your, your boss. I think that's the main guy. He can't even see in here, so he was, didn't see that I just I think that was super blew him off. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Whatever. I'll do it into his face later on too. Um, but yeah, and then the second date, she uh, she came to the comedy show, and then uh, Steve Allen, the owner of Kino, just went up to her and was like, "Hey, are you, are you a comedian?" She goes, "Oh no, I, I I do some acting." And then she's, "Oh, you should you should do you should sign up for the open mic and uh, make fun of creepy white guys." And she goes, "Okay, I will." Two weeks, and then she just like boom, <laughs> so bad. She was just like, "I will." She's like, "In fact, creepy white men will be uh, in a song lyric and a punchline of my jokes." Thank you, Steve Allen. Absolutely. So that, that is a great flex to bring a date to be like, yeah, you just got to quickly just do a headlining spot over here. So the we'll, middle of all your date, that's what we got to do, and then we'll go do something after. Yeah, totally. Good, good and, then, and then she, uh, and then she uh, two weeks later, she did three minutes, she just murdered. <laughs> like, she's fair. yet to do a bad set. I know. It's ridiculous. It's like a home run derby. Yeah, it's just, it's, just, <laughs> it's not right. Were, were you watching it? Like, fuck. Oh, no, no, I was super proud of her, you know, but then it's like after set like 100, you're like, all right, are you going to bomb? Are you going to bomb at all? Ever? She like hasn't missed a free throw ever. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like, it's like 100%. I don't know what it's like to miss. That's great. Um, is there like healthy competition between the two of you or is um, it? You know, I mean, nah, I, I wouldn't say competition. I think it's like. She pushes me to work harder. Mm-hmm. She's always like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get out of bed. I got to stop being on Facebook. I got to <laughs> just, just get off Facebook. Just fucking, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because she's just like on it. Yeah. She's got this Asian efficiency kind That's of. Another Yumi lyric. Yeah. From My Name is yeah. Yumi. She's got this samurai kind of yeah. samurai uh, warrior <laughs> of comedy. And then uh, so then I'm just like, shit. Okay. So she pushes me 
That's she good. pushes me to get better. But then, you know, people would be like, wow, she's, she's killing it. She's exploding. She's gone mm -hmm. viral on YouTube. She's doing this. Are you jealous? I'm like, well, no. I mean, we're totally different, too. Mm -hmm. If I was dating another white guy who looked exactly like me, <laughs> and he was, he was... Damn, that's Jonah. a hot couple. Yeah. If I was dating Steve Is McGowan... He a zombie? So if I was dating Steve McGowan, who was supposed to be on this show, and he started getting just, just killing it, and then I'd be like, wow, Steve, <laughs> this isn't right. But no, no, not at all. I'm, I'm well, super proud of her. You shouldn't date him because that motherfucker's a heartbreaker by not showing up today. I know, right? Let's look in the camera and just fuck you, Steve. Yeah, so Steve said he had to work, and then to you he said his back was fucked up. Oh. Take some how medication. Do you, how do you, and how get do you over have here. to work and Quit have your a job. fucked up back? I don't know. Should have stuck to the one lie. I would exactly. I would hate to find out what his job is. I know. <laughs> I just I was just at his album recording too at Yuck Yucks. Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. He was really nervous. Yeah. And then, uh, but now he did a good job. He has like this nervous energy, though, that's likable. Oh, totally. Unlike my nervous energy, if I'm anxious, I'm like meaner or something. You know what I mean? So he's, he's, he should feel good that he rolled the dice and became a likably an anxious person. Right. Yeah. Sometimes that's people's personas on stage. You know? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. The, the, that's the scariest part, though. When you got like a big thing before you go on. Yeah. Like I did Britain's Got Talent right before. I was like, shit. Oh, God. You know, you really are. You being... did that show? I did. Whoa. And right before I went on, there was this guy who was like, I was in a car accident last year. <laughs> I almost died, but I, I just thought I'd play a song for you, you know. And, and, and then, uh, you know, and then he played a couple of chords. And then Simon Cowell was just like, all right, you know what? It's just not working out. You lived the car accident. Good for you. But yeah, it's not working. Wow. And I'm like, oh, shit. And it's like, next up, Byron, you know. But, and I did great. Uh, and, and all four all passes, and wow. they were all like very funny. And I'm like, yes, it was on a high. And then like a month later, like, yeah, we decided not to air it. I'm like, a oh, great. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, I realized my story wasn't good enough. I should have lied. I should have came in. Should have gotten in a car accident. I should have came in in a wheelchair. Yeah. I should have. I, I should have just. I should have had some backstory. I should have had some. Just once again, show that clip of you making out with that zombie. Big time. Who wouldn't feel bad for you for yeah. that? Uh, I conquered adversity. I got my eyes eaten. <laughs> I actually love Simon Cowell. I'm I I only like those shows when everyone sucks. I don't want to see talented people. Yeah, so I, I didn't want to see the raisin cake. That's why. That's why I didn't. That's why I didn't get through. You're not crazy enough. No, it was just like ah, he's likable and he did well. Well, how are we going to sell this? Well, did you go on stage playing the trumpet with unicycle? I didn't. I didn't saxophone? do the, yeah. No, I should have done that. I mean, because if I'd, even if I'd done it badly, then I could have made the outtakes. <laughs> Then I would have watched But they it. could edit you terribly. I had a friend who went on there, and they edit him terribly. Man. And they'll just, like, oh, they'll crucify It you. seems like it shouldn't be allowed, the way they, oh, they can will. edit dialogue on reality shows. Yeah, they'll just edit it out to be like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to juggle. And then it'll be like, and they'll edit something, and he's like, I'm a Nazi. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh. They just cut together his different words yeah, it doesn't, into the word Nazi. Yeah, they don't care. The way you said Nazi but, was very British. But then they, very did, good. then they did another one. There's another guy, another British guy, no... Mm -hmm. uh, and then he, they made him look so good. It was ridiculous. He was like, what are you going to do? And then he's like, I can do some impressions. He's like, on a sword get down in the chopper. And then it showed everybody standing ovation. And you literally see one of the judges crying. It's like, that was the most inspirational thing I've ever seen. I can't believe you put Simon King on blast like that just yeah. now. <laughs> um, I love you, Simon King. You're no Steve McGowan. No. Um, that's well, but like Steve McGowan, you're also not here. <laughs> Simon King's done the show, though, so he's in my good graces forever. Right. Um, Steve McGowan's schedule is too busy <laughs> with back injuries. Yeah. Um, wow, how did that? How did that come to be? The, uh, Britain's Got Talent. Yeah, I, I was in I was in London. I was doing I was doing a bunch of stand up there for a bit, and then mm -hmm. uh, 
somebody randomly uh, just said, oh, we saw you, we really like you. Do you want to, uh, you, are you interested in Britain's Got Talent? And mm. then I was just like, yeah, I'm going back to Canada though, but uh, but I know they talked me into going. I had to pay my own flight though. It was a total waste of money. Mm. But actually, the redeeming thing is, even though they didn't air me, my flight was so delayed that I got like a thousand euros. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got a, lot a really of miles. and I got a really cheap flight too, so I actually ended up making five hundred bucks to wow. be on the air. So well, it was still it was still an experience. It's the opposite of pay to play. I, and I'll put I, it, you know, Simon Cowell says, well, you know, great North American, great observations, but it's not like an man, I didn't know it worked that way. Yeah, I don't know how any of that stuff works though. I have a friend who had a reality show though, and she, like she, you know, she was kind of the boss, but the way that they would edit it, she said was just like not at all what happened ever. So I can only imagine what that show was like, you know? Right. Because there's people like me that just want to see people suck. Yeah. And so that's the drama, and then the winners. I don't know though because uh, you know Jonathan, the owner of this label, was saying that coming in first on those shows is so much worse than coming in second. That's what my friend is saying. He's like, you don't want to win. You don't want to win because I own you. You want to be second. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't need to worry about any of that. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're very forward thinking, yeah. Byron. It's I was not like, you know, I don't have to worry about any of this. How about <laughs> I just, how about I just foreshadow them not playing me at all? Yeah. Wow. See that? Strategic. Yeah, it was very strategic. Like, I was... I'm going to be making out with a zombie in a few years anyway. I don't yeah, really exactly. need this. I don't need this. Yeah. Did you, uh, did, so when you toured there, was it just doing stand-up, or were you doing the street performance I was doing, uh, yeah, mainly just that time doing stand-up, but I did, I did a bit of street performing okay. uh, at Covent Garden in London. I love There's London. a clip of me uh, doing uh, street performing, and this girl gets all pissed off. Actually, speaking of getting offended, and she's like, you made fun of me in front of him. I'm like, what, what, did I, what did I do? I think mm-hmm. I'm just like, I said some of that beautiful woman there, so she's yeah. like, how dare you call me beautiful, well. blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just like, all right, you know what? I'm a loser, everybody. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm the worst. I just said, like, I'm, I'm the, the show wasn't going that great anyway. I'm like, I'm a loser, everybody. The show isn't going great. I, what I did was the most unforgivable thing. You know what? I should rethink my career. I'm going to kill myself. Good night. You know, wow. go back to Canada, kill myself. I forget. And then that went on. That got viral on YouTube. Really? And I think it was on, like, you know, when things go bad on the street, like wow. some reality show. And then it's just me just. Take that, Yumi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That went viral for the wrong reason. Actually, I got another viral video of me okay. almost getting into it. Well, pretty much getting into a scrap with a guy on Granville Street. Why? What happened? Doing the street from this crazy meth head, actually. Different okay. case. He just went up. You just he, defended he all sc- meth heads, right? He now. just started screaming, Ooh! and then I'm like, "Crystal meth, it's you know, so it works better than coffee or oh. something." And then he came back, "What are you guys saying?" And then he picked my, one of my juggling machetes, so I jumped on. Well, he grabbed one of your like. Yeah, I was like, "Man, he's gonna. I better preemptively just you know shove him." Oh my god! And then it was it was pretty scary. And then so I tried to out crazy him, and then and then I ended up juggling after. Then I'm and I'm just like I'm like you know get out of the you know beyond him. And then after back back to the fake sex and okay anyway back to the show. <laughs> And then I do a juggling show, juggling trick, and, and, and anyway, the, the clip goes. But all the it's funny. The 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 uh, the comments are funny. He's like, he would have kicked his ass. He like the, the junkie would have killed that British fat piece of shit. Whoa. And then the other one's like, no man, England number one, yeah, <laughs> go England. And then random ones like Obama is a Nazi, and it's like, all right, and it's wow. like, I hate cats. Okay, well, YouTube you know, comments are people's opinions do matter, yeah, they, and they're every, always on point. That's every the great one, thing about YouTube, everyone's opinion on YouTube matters. <laughs> <laughs> How did it go viral? Did someone share it on uh, Reddit? I think or? it just one of those, you know, when any like those altercation videos always yeah. go crazy. Bus fights and stuff. Something like that. Yeah, just <laughs> bum fights, bus fights. Anything where just something bad happens unexpectedly. People love it. Oh, people man. are bad people. People are bad people. Yeah. That's the title of your next record. Yeah. Isn't that a Depeche Mode song? <laughs> people are bad people. <laughs> 
your singing voice. I just <laughs> hope you serenade people more often. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Anything else you want to plug before we uh, we get out of here? Oh, what else? Um, oh, you're going to be uh, a headline of Yuck Yucks tomorrow night. So okay. by the time this podcast is on, I'm sure you've missed it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be headlining Laugh Lines this weekend. Okay. This uh, I think this is coming out in three weeks. Three so. weeks. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to let you know these shows that you missed. Yeah, yeah. They were great. Um, uh, hopefully I'll be booking some. Oh, we're going to be in Edinburgh at the Fringe oh, Festival. amazing. In Scotland. We'll yeah. be doing that for a month. Yumi's going to be there as well. Comedy here often. Alumni Shirley Gnome is often at those festivals. Yeah. So we love those festivals. That's great. So the okay. big thing's uh, Edinburgh. And then, um, yeah, I'm going to Japan with okay. Yumi. Amazing. Got a couple shows there. Wow. Yeah, but mainly holiday. I'm going to meet her family for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Her dad, and he, after he stepped on that rice cracker. That's right. Her dad's a really talented musician, by the way. I know. I've seen footage. Yeah. yeah. That's so I cool. heard he just signed a record deal with you guys. Yeah, I'm going to produce his K-pop record. Nice. K-pop. Which is Korean pop. Yeah, so it's weird. That out. It's Japanese, but for some reason he strictly <laughs> does Korean pop. North Korean pop. Wow. Kim Jong-un records. Right, him and Dennis Rodman together yeah, totally. at last. <laughs> All right, Byron. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Comedy Here Often podcast. I've been your host, Kevy. And make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Comedy Here Often on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that, all that. And make sure to follow Byron Bertram on all social media as well. Thank you for listening. And we'll check in with you next week. Bye.